Good morning. Seth and, and the worship team, thank you. That was, your worship was always great. It was extra special today. That was, that was fantastic. Um, I, I hope that as the service continues to go on, that we can do exactly that, that we can lift Jesus high, because that's what we're here to do today. I don't know, Seth, if you've done that song before, that Behold Our King, have we've done that here? I don't, that was new to me. Man, behold our King, nothing can compare. Come let us adore Him. That's what we want to do today. Good morning. Oh, I think I'm supposed to dismiss the kids too. They're gone. They know they're dismissed, sorry. They're already gone. It's great to be here this morning. Welcome to Easter week. I think we've been emphasizing this the last few weeks, or Pastor Ben has. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is no bigger week than this week. No bigger day than next Sunday. No bigger day than Good Friday. That's what we're here for, to worship our risen King. I hope that at the end of the service, by the end of the service today, that we've lifted Him high and that we have come to adore Him. Please smile about that. Thank you. My desire this morning is to encourage you not to let this week pass by like any other week. It simply is not. And so I hope by the time we get done this morning, that if you take nothing else away, that you'll remember that this week is not like any other week. And we're going to talk about that some. Will you pray with me for a minute? Father, this morning as we come before you, our desire is to lift you high, to adore your name. Father, I want to lift up Pastor Ben to you this morning. I pray, Father, that you'd heal him quickly, completely. Father, I pray for what you were about to say this morning through your word. And I would pray that the Holy Spirit would work greatly here this morning and that we would hear the things that you need us to from your word. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. I'm confident that having just concluded a fantastic series in the book of Colossians on the supremacy and the sufficiency of our Lord Jesus, that Pastor Ben had an outstanding sermon prepared for today. So when it came down to him saying, I just don't think I can do it. And you know that takes a lot because he had all kinds of plans. He was going to race from his office, come in, speak, leave again. Anything he could do to, to, to share what God had on his heart. And last night he said, you know, I, I just, it's not going to happen. And he's very sick, so I, I wish you would pray for him. But uh, fortunately, that great sermon that he had prepared, none of us are going to get to hear that. So I said, Ben, I, I could try to follow what you have. If you have some notes or whatever for me, he says, you know what? He says, I don't think it would really help. I don't know. His notes are probably more up here than they are on paper. So he gave me the scripture that he was going to. So I decided what we would do is we're going to go to that scripture. I'm pretty sure we're going to end up in a different place than he would have ended up, but we're going to use the same scripture and um, we'll see where we end up from there. So if you have your Bibles um, or your phone or whatever, Uh, You're going to need them this morning. If you don't have a Bible, there should be some Red Pew Bibles. And if you're here today and you do not have a Bible, take that Red Bible with you. That's a gift from Calvary. That's why we buy them. That's why we have them there for you. 
If you do not have a Bible, take that with you. And I know a lot of you have your Bible on your cell. That's the one good thing. I haven't found too many things about cell phones, smartphones that I really like, but that's the one thing I think is cool. You always have your Bible with you. So that's, that's a cool thing about those. So if you have your Bible with you today, we're going to jump around a lot. But we're going to start where Pastor Ben was planning to start and where Seth actually started this morning as well. Uh, chapter 21 of Matthew, the triumphal entry. I suspect most of you have been in a Palm Sunday service where you've read through this passage. Um, this, is, this is a very common passage for either Easter Sunday or for Palm Sunday. So that's where we're going to go. I have a, two or three things there that I just want to point out as we go. And so we're going to start in verse 1. It says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and you will see a donkey tied there with his colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone, if anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy. I don't want us to go past that too quickly. You know, we've heard that story a million times about, you know, send a man, pick up the donkey, bring it out. You know, we, we, we understand that's, that's what uh, was told a long time ahead of this happening. This was prophesied, which makes it cool. But the other thing that I also think about that makes it neat is it was very detailed. And that's why I think this week is important. It's not just another week. The leading up to Jesus' death and resurrection, even here in Scripture, was very detailed. Right down to, here's where you go, here's what you find, bring it here, all laid out in perfect detail. So verse 4 then says, This was, was done for, to fulfill the prophecy. Tell the people of Israel, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey even on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him, threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Of course, that's where our palm branches, the, the tradition we have of having palm branches. He was, the center, he was in the center of the procession, and the crowds all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I found that last one interesting too, you know. If it wasn't for the next week ahead, that's where it would still be, that Jesus would be a prophet. And that's what many people still say. And at this point, that's what the people were saying. He's a prophet, the prophet from Nazareth. And then Pastor Ben was going to go to Matthew 16. I like to hear the sound of those pages, so you don't all have a cell phone Bible. So Matthew 16, after they ask the question that we just read, who, who is this man? They say he's the prophet. And then in, in, um, 
verse 13 through 16, Peter has a declaration of who Jesus is. Verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, Some say he's John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. Notice the change. He's no longer a prophet. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then, it's just kind of end there because Jesus, or Peter declares that. But then if you read on in verse 17, it says, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. It's important to remember that the people that time, and even today, still think of Jesus, he was a, he's one of the prophets. And then interesting that us, Peter, we should be able to declare who God really is, or who Jesus really is, that he's the Messiah. And it's not declared by humans that he's the Messiah. In verse 17 it says, it's not from human that God revealed it to Peter. So if you go on in chapter 16, this is kind of where... Um, so I'm reading through these two things, and this is kind of where God had to kind of take over, and not knowing where Ben was headed with his sermon. But this is kind of what God started showing me, that we're just going to continue on reading in chapter 16 and see what God tells us there. We move on down to um, Jesus predicting his death in verse 21. starts there. And then um, in verse 21, yeah, he predicts his death. And then Peter denies that. Peter says, no, no way. This could not happen to you, Jesus. And then in verse 23, Jesus rebukes Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. You ever stop and think of what that must have been like for the disciples? This man that they've been following, believed in, and all of a sudden he says, okay, I'm going to die. They're going to put me to death. Man, that must have been a, just a startling thing for them. And then that's why Peter comes and says, no, no, God, that's not going to happen to you. That can't happen to you. And again, like I said, it's all planned out. It was all part of his special plan. And, and so he rebukes Peter and says, you're thinking about things the way humans think about things. Do you guys ever do that? I find myself in that boat all the time. Trying to make it, under, make it understandable from my mind. And sometimes I go so far as demanding an explanation. God, why would this happen? Why, why is this happening to me or to someone else? I just don't get it. There must be something I'm not getting. And I think, how arrogant of me to think that God would owe me an explanation for his plan. Unfortunately, we all do that a lot. We see things as humans because our point of view is definitely different than God's point of view. Um, and now in verse 24 through 26, still in chapter 16, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must put aside your selfish ambition, 
shoulder your cross, and follow me. As I read that, I couldn't help but thinking, hmm, that's not the fluffy, warm Christianity that I'm really looking for. When he tells me I've got to shoulder my cross, put away my selfish ambition to follow him, is that exactly what I was planning? If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? So these four verse, three verses here, that's really, really what I want to hit on this morning. Is really kind of what my main point was going to be. What if we want to be a follower of Jesus? We come into the Easter season, I'm guessing most of us are here have been through many Easter's. And we oftentimes think about what what happened to Jesus. Many times though we, we fall short of saying, What does that mean for me? What does it mean for me to be a follower of Jesus? If you want to follow me, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross and follow me. At that point, we're going to ask ourselves, what does that mean? What is God saying to us? I would put it this way. There's nothing in this world, or nothing the world has to offer us that's worth clinging to at the expense of following Jesus makes me go back to the song that we sing. Behold our King. Nothing, nothing in this world can compare. Come, let us adore Him. So I think as we head into Easter week, that's what we want to be thinking about. What can we do to adore Jesus? What can we do to lift His name high? Let's not just wait and come back next Sunday and say, well, I wonder what church has for me next Sunday. What can we do this week to lift the name of Jesus higher. Calvary is a body. I would pray for you this week, and I will be praying for you this week, that we will follow Jesus throughout the week. That nothing will be placed higher. Nothing will be more important this week than what we do to follow Jesus. Some of you go, yeah, okay, follow Jesus. What are you, what are you talking about? What, what does that mean for me? In reality, in, in reality. Last week, Pastor Ben had this kind of took me back to last week as I was thinking about this. Is well, what does that mean to follow Jesus this week? Last week, Pastor Ben put it like this, which I loved. I'd like to adopt this for our our our, uh, our church model, our church vision. He said, "Our desire is for Calvary to be a gracious group of Christ-sharing people who lean on the power of the Holy Spirit." To live out our lives as raised ones. That's what we want to do this week. We want to live out our lives as raised ones. And I love it that Calvary is making a lot of attempts at that. Friday morning, we have a group of guys that meet contenders. We call it contending for our faith. Same, same thing as living out our lives for the raised, as a raised one. In our connection class that some of you are involved in, that I, that I teach on Sunday mornings, have been throughout this year, we call it gospel-shaped living. Same thing. It's living out our lives for Jesus. In our elders group, 
Throughout the year, we've been talking more and more about shepherding the flock, shepherding the people. Same thing as living out our lives as raised ones. I believe that the Scripture teaches that living out our lives as raised ones is all boiled down to one simple thing. Well, it's not that simple. Simple to say, not so easy to do. That's loving people. I shared in my Sunday school class the last couple weeks that I have not been able to pick up my Bible over the last few months and not read something about God's encouraging us, begging us, pleading with us to love people. So in my life, it's become more and more obvious that as a Christian, if I'm called to do anything, it's to love people. So what I started doing, if you want to flip to Matthew 22, as I started realizing that every time I pick up my Bible and start reading, I'm reading about what God is encouraging me to love people. Now I'm telling you this as someone who... um, it's not that good at it. If I was good at it, God wouldn't be constantly telling me, you need to love people better. You need to love people better. You need to love people better. Well, he's been doing that, so I started just writing down in, right in Matthew 22, because that's the first place I'd come to, in verse 36. I started writing down in the margin of my Bible. Every time I came across a reference in the Bible where God says, you need to love people better. You need to love people more. Um, I start, it's getting kind of long. I've got about half my page filled up here. So I want to share a few of those with you just to encourage you this morning and kind of share what God has been teaching me through the Scriptures. So I will just start out with that first one in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 34. And it says in 36, Teacher, which is the most important commandment? The law of Moses. Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. And that's important that you know, and I've heard a number of messages on that. So it's not just important that we love God. Well, I love God, so I don't really, you know, people don't, they kind of bug me. But I love God. That second commandment, he says, is equally important. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. It's hard for me to get anything else out of that except that that's pretty important to God and probably the most important thing to God. That as followers of him, this week, in the Easter week, as well as throughout the year, but especially this week, that we would love others. Then if you want to flip to 1 Corinthians 16, there's no particular order to these. These are just some of the verses I pull out of my margin of my Bible here. So 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 to 14, says, Be on guard, stand true to what you believe. Be courageous, be strong, and everything you do must be done with love. Just one of the verses I came across. Everything I do must be done with love. I don't know about you. Everything I do is not filled with love. I'm working at it. Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. I've got to get a bigger print Bible. Uh, Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, 
You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing that you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Man, am I just dreaming this? But did he say it again? The most important piece of clothing we can wear, the most important thing we can do is to love people. That's why when you tell me that, yeah, I really like, you know, I like church, I love Jesus, I really like people that much. And I'll be honest with you, I'll confess here, there was a time in my life I used to kind of joke about that, and, and there was a lot of truth to it. I, I could just do without being around people. God's really had to transform my heart to, uh, to an understanding that I can't be a Christian and not love people passionately. I have to work at it constantly. And then, let's finish up John 13. Flip over to that one. Like I say, this list is long, so please don't taste it. This is an exhaustive list. It's just something that I pulled out. John 16, or 13, 13, verses 34. 34 says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. You're to love each other, just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I was reading this last night, and I pulled that one out, and I read through it again. I sent a text message to Seth. I said, Seth, is there any way we could uh, sing that song? They'll know we are Christians by our love. If you're my age, you know that song. Maybe the millennials don't know that song. But that was an amazing song. Sang it my whole life growing up. Never really got the good feeling about it until I started reading this in the last few months here. That they'll know we're Christians by our love. There's a lot of times we say, I want to do the will of God. I want to get closer to God. I want to get more connected to the church, whatever. Love people. Love people. They'll know we're Christians by our love for others. So this week, Easter week, I hope we'll practice following Jesus. That we'll practice loving people to Jesus. I hope that I can encourage you this morning that you'd love somebody enough to make them cookies this week. Love somebody enough to invite him to, to hear about Jesus next week. Love somebody enough to tell him about Jesus, to tell him about the gospel, to tell him about Jesus going to the cross for your sins and for theirs. Love them enough to invite him to share Easter dinner with you. Love somebody enough to talk to them um, or sit with them during their cancer treatment this week. Love somebody enough to repair their car. Love somebody enough to take them golfing. Love somebody enough to help them with their homework. Love somebody enough to take them to coffee and just to listen. Love somebody enough to watch their kids. Love somebody enough to visit them in the hospital or the nursing home. Love somebody enough to rub their feet. Love somebody enough to read the Bible with them. And I'm going to go back to the first one. Love somebody enough to invite them to church this next week. Don't make this week just another week. It's Easter week. You get the idea here about loving others. There's lots and lots of ways. There's no formula. There's nothing special about it. It just comes from the heart, loving people. So I'm, I'm praying 
for Calvary that this week especially, this Easter week, that will show a dark world that we are Christians, that we're followers of the Lord Jesus, the risen Lord, by our love. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just pray this morning that with help from the Holy Spirit, that you'll impress upon us this Easter week what it means to follow Jesus. Father, for each one of us, can you teach us, help us, give us boldness and courage to love people to Jesus. Amen.